everybody. How you doing? Glad to be here in God's house today. All right, all right. Hey, get your Bibles out and let's just dive into God's Word. Turn to the Gospel of Luke chapter 11. That's where we're going to be landing today. Uh, Gospel of Luke chapter 11. If you don't have a Bible, there's one provided for you. We'll put the page number of that uh, chair Bible uh, up on the screen so you can follow along. We want everybody with an open Bible, open heart, uh, ready to hear from God. Uh, let me just start off with a confession. It's good for preachers to confess, right? Right? And this is a safe place, right? So I, I, tell, I give a little confession. I, I, I did something kind of ornery this week. I played a practical joke on a friend of mine. He was in town uh, for a, kind of an estate sale. And so while he was working at this estate sale, there, this guy came in that he didn't know. And this guy was kind of shopping around. But this guy stayed on and on and on and talked forever and ever and ever. In fact, my friend said at some point they were kind of avoiding him because he was constantly talking and it just would never leave. You know, he just like, he had nothing else to do but hang out at this estate sale. And so they wrapped up the estate sale. My friend went back to the state from where he's from and, uh, and I got this ornery idea. So I got a phone that he wouldn't recognize a number and I started texting and I texted my buddy. I said, uh, hey, this is a guy from the estate sale. Remember when we met? And uh, I started asking him questions like, uh, hey, I saw on Facebook you've got tomatoes for sale. Uh, uh, how big are they? Question mark. How much do you want for them? Question mark. Can you send them to me? Question mark. Can you do direct mail? Question mark. No answer. I can see he's reading them, but no answer. Then, then I waited a few minutes and I said, hey, my wife and I are thinking about vacationing in your state. Could we come and park our RV at your place for a couple of weeks? This guy, I know his mind was blowing when he saw this, and no answer, all right? I said, and then I, I texted back and said, how about next Tuesday at 6 p.m., we'll be there? Question mark, no, I mean, I'm just dying laughing this whole thing. He's reading them, I know he's freaking out, and uh, finally, at the end of it, I reveal, you know, it's a big joke, and blah, blah, blah. but you know, it was just so funny thinking I was just blowing up his phone. You ever had anybody do that to you, just bing, 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 bing? The worst are those group texts, Right? They're from the pit of hell. I don't even know how to get out of them. I'm like, somebody show me what button to push to get out of these things. Anyway, uh, interestingly enough that that's exactly the attitude that God's looking for from us when it comes to prayer. This story that we're about to read is a parable of the friend at night. And Jesus is talking about prayer, relentless prayer, prayer that pursues God and will not quit, that's blowing up his phone. And uh, we're going to talk about that. Now, there's a lot of things about prayer we don't fully understand. We don't understand the, how the sovereignty of God and the responsibility of man work together in prayer. There's a lot of mysteries we don't understand, but there's one thing we do clearly understand, and that is that Jesus told us over and over to pray. That prayer is important, that prayer moves the heart of God, and that we should, as believers, pray. But how should we pray? And why is it that sometimes we pray and we don't feel like God's answering our prayers? Have you ever felt like, man, I prayed about that and it didn't happen, or I didn't get an answer to God in prayer? Why is it that sometimes God delays in his answer? Well, that's what Jesus is going to talk about in this parable. So it's a parable that we all need to hear today. So let's just open it up. Luke chapter 11, beginning at verse 1. This is the word of God. We're just diving right in. Now, Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of the disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, 
hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation. Stop right there. Uh, Jesus was a man of great prayer. Uh, The gospel of Luke tells us that when Jesus came up out of the water when he was baptized and the Spirit of God anointed him for his public ministry, he was praying as he came up out of the water. Uh, Luke goes on to say that Jesus spent 40 days and nights in the wilderness and he was praying there and left empowered by the Holy Spirit. He prayed all night before he chose his leadership team of the 12 disciples. Jesus would oftentimes retreat in the hectic pace of life to pray and then re-engage again. So his whole life, if there was a thread that runs through the life of Jesus, it is a life of prayer. And these disciples began to watch Jesus, and they saw Jesus praying, and they saw God moving, and they somehow put the two and two together, and they said, you know what? There's something about the prayer life of Jesus that moves the hand of God. There's something that he's, some way that he's praying in a way that I don't see in my own life. So they went to Jesus, and they said, Lord, teach us to pray. This is the only type of request we have. They never said, teach us to preach, teach us to lead, teach us to do miracles. They only said, teach us to pray. And so Jesus begins to teach them. And at first, he starts off with what to say in prayer. Now, by the way, before we kind of look at this, this is often called the Lord's Prayer. Uh, It's a common prayer, probably the most famous prayer in the Bible. Uh, It's unfortunately called the Lord's Prayer. It really should be probably the the model prayer or the disciples' prayer because this is not a prayer that Jesus had in mind we would just go through by rote memory. It's certainly not a prayer that he thought we could uh, kind of say in some kind of mystical way or a superstitious way that if we say these prayers, then something magical is going to happen if we say it just right. It's not anything like that. This was a guide. This was an outline of how to pray. it's, It's to show us what prayer should look like when we pray to God. And so Jesus shows us what to say when we pray. And he said, he starts off and he says, you need to focus on who God is. He said, Father, hallowed be thy name. He starts off saying, when you pray, you need to pray to your Father in heaven. You need to address him as Father. The Hebrew word there is Abba, all right? Not the, not the band Abba, all right? But to call him Abba, which means Daddy. It's an intimate word. It's it's to say, Daddy, I'm coming to you as your child. By the way, this was radical in Jesus' day. The rabbis taught that when you address God, you did not address him this way. That was too familiar. For example, the the Jewish prayer, the uh, Amidah, which was about a 2,000-year-old prayer, would address God as, blessed are you, O Lord, our God. The morning prayers of a Jewish man would address God as the living and eternal king. When he would put on his tallit, which was an, uh, an undergarment that had the tassels that come out the side that would represent the Torah, that he was to pray and address God as the king of the universe. King, Lord, ruler, that's how you were to address God. But Jesus veers off course and he says, no, no, when, first thing when you come to, your, to God, you call him Daddy. Call him daddy. He said, Daddy, this is my need. Then he said, Daddy, hallowed be your name. 
Holy is your name. Daddy, yeah, you're intimate, and yet, yet you're great. You're close to me, and yet you're holy. Uh, you're, you're, you're near to me, and yet you're bigger than me, and, and you are worthy of praise. It's, it's really prayer language, and it's really praise language here. He's saying, I just want to start off telling you, Daddy, how much I love you and how great you are. You know, we just sang that song, How Great Thou Art. That is what God wants us to bring when we pray. We don't barge into his presence and start saying, I want this, I want this, I want this, like some kind of petulant child. We, we come before God and we acknowledge him as our intimate father and we come to him and we thank him and we praise him for all that he's done. Dads, it's different when your kid comes in and says, I want 20 bucks for the movie and I want the car keys and I want this and I want that. And when they come up, they say, Daddy, I just want you to know I love you. If they said that, you go, what do you want? All right? <laughs> What's wrong? What'd you do? <laughs> you know, that's kind of, it's sad that we're skeptical, right? But that's exactly what God wants from you. Daddy, your name is awesome. Thank you so much. And then he said, not only to go who God is, but then what God wants. He said, uh, may your kingdom come. When you pray, Lord, your kingdom come, you're saying, Lord, I want you to rule in my life. I want you to lead my life. I, I say, you're the king of my life, and I, I want to do what you want. I want to say yes to you. Whatever you're leading me to do today, I want to say yes. Whatever you tell me to stay away from, I want to say yes. God, God you're in charge. You're leading today. And I, I want your kingdom, your ruler, your rulership, your leadership, your lordship to be active in my life today, just for today, God. I want to say yes to you. You're my king. You're my leader. I'm not going to fight for control today. I surrender my control to you. And he said, then, once you talk about who God is and what God wants, then you go to your needs. He said, then pray, Lord, give us. Lord, forgive us. Lord, lead us. See those three phrases there? What do you need? You need something at work. You're praying for something for your children. Something's on your heart. Ask your father what you need. He will give it to you. Ask him to provide it for you. As you're praying to God and God convicts you of some bad attitude or something you said at work or some way you reacted at home and you feel convicted of that, just ask God to forgive you. And if you need wisdom and direction in life, if you're on the crossroads of a decision and you don't know which direction to go or how you should handle the situation, ask God to give you wisdom and to lead you and to protect you from the evil one and direct you to the way of life. He said, that's how you pray. In fact, if, if, if you were to pray the Lord's Prayer today, it would sound something like this. Daddy, just want you to know how much I love you. I'm so thankful that, I, that you're my father in heaven and that you love me and you care for me and you've drawn me close to you and you've made me a part of your family. And you are holy and you're good. And I just want to praise you today for, for all that you've done and your goodness in my life. And, and daddy, just for today, I, I just want to say yes to you. Whatever you want me to do, I want to do it. And whatever you lead me away from, I don't want to go there. Because really, more than anything, I just want what you want. I want to fulfill the purpose you have for me today. And Daddy, you know the needs that I have for my children. My needs personally, my needs at work and financially and with our health and all these other things. God, I just ask you to provide for my needs. You're the one I'm seeking. And Father, I just pray that you'd forgive me for the things that I've said and the things I've done that I know grieve your heart. Lord, change me. 
Lord, I pray you'd lead me as I go into this business meeting or as I go into work or we're trying to make decisions about these things. God, I pray that you would lead us. Protect me from the evil one. Lord, help me to just follow you. Today, all that I have today, I surrender to you. Amen. Did you hear that? You hear the heart of that? That's the Lord's prayer. That's the model prayer. Is to come to your daddy. And that's what Jesus was teaching his disciples. They said, teach us to pray. And so he taught them that. And I think probably while they're thinking about how to pray, then Jesus launches into a story. So let's just look at it. Pick up at verse 5. And then he said to them, Which of you who has a friend will go to him at night and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, Do not bother me. The door is shut. My children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give you anything because he is your friend, yet because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. All right, Jesus just kind of randomly launches into the story. He's been teaching about prayer. Then he launches into this story called the friend at night. Why is Jesus telling this story? Here's why I believe it. he's telling the story. I believe that Jesus is answering the question behind the question. See, their question to Jesus was, Lord, teach us to pray. But the real question behind that question was, Lord, teach us to pray in a way that's powerful because our prayers don't seem to be like yours. The way we pray doesn't seem to get the results that your your prayers do. And and the way that what, what we're doing is somehow different than what you're doing. So Lord, teach us to pray like you so that we can get results from our prayer. I think that's the question behind the question. And so Jesus tells them how to pray, but then he really answers their question. And he's going to say, let me tell you how to have a powerful prayer life, how to have prayers that, that you see God moving, how you get answers to prayers. And he tells them the story about this guy at night. He said, what, what, what about you? You've you got guests that show up uh, at, at, un, unnoticed and, uh, or unexpected, and you don't have any breakfast for them. So after they go to bed, you don't want to be embarrassed and, and all the stores are closed. So you go to your, your, your neighbor and you say, hey, hey, knocking on the door. Hey, I need some eggs and bagels, all right? Uh, my friend's here and I've got anything to put out for breakfast in the morning. And so you stay on the front porch and you're blowing up their phone with the text. Bing, 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 bing. You're calling them. And yet your friend is all the while in bed and they, he sees the call, ignores it, all right? Sees the text, won't reply. Uh, hears the banging on the door, doesn't respond. Finally, he texts you back, hey, man, don't you know what time it is? Go away. I'm trying to sleep here. All right? I, my family's all bedded down. And yet, bang, 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 will not quit. Keeps banging on the door, banging on the door. Finally, the guy crawls out of bed, opens up, says, go get whatever you need and let me go back to bed. All right? So he says the whole reason, well, look at verse 8. He said the whole reason why this friend gave him what he needed, look at it, is because of his impudence. That, or impudence. What, what, what it means there is, it can be translated shameless audacity, boldness, persistence, relentless asking. If you're a parent, you know what relentless asking is like. Mom, can I? 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 I mean, you, you, you understand. Finally, you're like, okay, all right, just, just do it, all right, because the relentless asking. He said, the reason why that guy got up and gave his friend what he needed is because he would not take no for an answer. And then Jesus drives the point home. Look at verse 9. He says, I tell you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, 
and it will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, it will be opened. You get what Jesus is saying? He's telling us to ask. And the word ask is a command. It's in the imperative mood. It means to I command you to ask and to keep asking and to seek and keep seeking and knock and keep knocking. I command you to keep asking and not quit. That's what he's saying here. He's saying keep asking and not quit. Why? Why do I have to keep asking God and not quit? Because he said if you will do that, God will answer. If you ask and persist in asking, like this guy banging on the door, eventually God is going to move. You're going to receive. You're going you're to find. Doors are going to open up. God's going to move if you will persist in asking and not quit. This is all the way through the Bible, by the way. Jesus said in, in Luke 18, it said, always pray and never give up. Always pray and never give up. 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, never stop Praying, be thankful in all circumstances for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. God's will for you is that you pray and not quit. Same thing found in Colossians chapter four, verse two. Devote yourselves to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. So this is what Jesus is saying. You want prayer life that moves the heart of God? Do you want answers to your prayers? Do you want your prayers to be effective and powerful? This is what you need to do. Pray and not quit. Don't quit. Don't quit. Listen, I think a lot of times we quit. We quit praying. We don't get an answer right away, and we just stop quitting. We stop praying. We say, well, man, I prayed, all, I prayed a whole week for that thing, and, well, I guess God doesn't care, and God doesn't listen, and God doesn't, God doesn't care for me, and I don't even know if I can trust God anymore because you prayed for a week. Right? No, no. You pray and you pray and you pray and you pray and you don't quit. You don't stop. I mean, so many times you you stopped right before the breakthrough. You stopped right before the answer was coming. The answer was on the way. And yet you stopped praying. And it's so easy to go negative. It's so easy to just doubt God and start complaining and start doing other things instead of just being relentless in prayer. You got to pray. And not quit. I remember several years ago, I was buying a vehicle. And I was like, it was like January the 1st. And I, I had cash in hand. I was ready to negotiate. I was going to walk away with the vehicle on this day. All right? So I was ready to buy a car. And I went up and I was talking with this guy on the, on the, on the car lot, this guy that was selling me the vehicle. And he found out that I was a pastor. He goes, oh. He goes, well, I've, I've been a pastor before too. And I'm like, oh, well, that's great. And so we started talking about that. He says, you know what? You know the push principle, right? I said, well, I, I don't know that I've ever heard of that. The push principle, you understand that? I thought, well, I, I don't think so. I don't think I've ever heard of that. He said, push, pray until something happens. All right? He said, sometimes in life you got to push. You just got to keep praying and keep praying and keep praying until something happens. I think that's exactly what Jesus is saying here. You've got to keep praying and not quit until something happens. Fact is, some of you quit. You quit praying for your family member that's far from God. You've quit, you quit praying for your marriage to be reconciled. You quit praying for that wayward child. You quit praying for God to give you 
a new direction in ministry and life. You quit praying for God to move in your church. You quit praying for God to move in your country. You quit, you just got distracted, got discouraged. And you started doubting God's goodness. But Jesus said, you want the secret to answer prayer? Persistence, relentless, praying. You know what? This is a newsflash. I know this is going to shock you. The devil doesn't want you to pray, right? The devil doesn't want you to pray, right? He doesn't want you to pray. Why? Because he knows the Bible, and he knows what Jesus said. If you ask and keep on asking, then you're going to get an answer. And if you knock and keep on knocking, the door's going to open up. And he knows that, so he's going to try to discourage you as quickly as possible to stop you from praying. One of my favorite quotes, and I've said it to you many times, but I just love it. And I think it's so appropriate. Samuel Chadwick, which was a Wesleyan pastor, he said this. He said, the one concern of the devil is to keep the saints from praying. He fears nothing from prayerless studies, prayerless work, prayerless religion. He laughs at our toil, mocks at our wisdom, but trembles when we pray. If he can discourage you, if he can distract you, if he can cause you to doubt the goodness of God, then he will because he knows that if you keep praying, that God is bound himself to answer. Jeremiah 33, 3, call on me and I will answer you. That's what he said. And so Jesus said, you want the secret to powerful prayer life? Keep, keep praying and don't quit, don't quit, don't quit. Now, I know that some people might read this story, the friend at night, and say, wait a minute, hands up in the air, okay, yeah, what's your question? Well, my question is this, this story kind of puts God in a negative light. I mean, if he's the guy in bed, right, the guy that's saying, go away, you know, you're bothering me, puts his pillow over his head and says, you know, you're annoying me, is that what God's like? I mean, is God... Is God kind of annoyed with our prayers? The only way God is uh, aroused to move is if I just pester him enough? Is God like a parent on, on the phone and ignoring the need of a child? Is that really what God's like? And he finally exasperation puts the phone down and does something. Is that what God's like? Uh, somebody tell me the answer to that. The answer would be uh, no, no. So that's why Jesus followed this story with another little story. Jesus is the one that put these back to back, and he put them back to back for a reason. So look at it. Look at verse um, verse 11. What father among you, if a son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? I love what he's saying there. He's like, uh, look, uh, this is what God's like. He goes, he goes you, you want to give good gifts to your kid, right? If your kid asks you for uh, an egg, you're not going to give him a scorpion, right? You're not going to do that. Hey, watch this, honey. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> you're not going to do that. You're not going to try to harm it. Hey, hey, can I have some fish? And you pull out like a copperhead. Hey, try that one. You, know? you're not, you don't do that, right? And even we're messed up, man. We're selfish people, but we, we want to do good things for our kids. We want to give good things for our kids. He said, how much more does your heavenly father who's perfect want to give good things to you? So see, God is not, uh, God is not uh, annoyed by your prayers. God is not ignoring your prayers. You're not putting him out. He is a good father. He's not reluctant. He's not indifferent. He is a good father. 
So back to the question behind the question. Jesus, how do we pray powerfully like you pray? Because our prayers don't seem to be like yours. He said, you need to pray. But more than that, yes, you need to pray always, consistently, persevering, relentless. Don't ever quit. Keep asking. Keep knocking. Yeah, there are going to be difficult times. You just keep persisting in prayer. Keep praying and keep praying and keep praying. And all the while, remember as you're praying that your Father cares for you, that your Father loves you, that your Father wants to bless you and give you good gifts. You say, well, if he loves me and he cares about me, then why does he delay? Why, why does sometimes I pray and I pray and I pray and I don't see answers? You ever ask, wonder that? Why, why, why sometimes do I not sense God moving in this, these prayers of mine? And Jesus doesn't answer it directly, but I think he does give us a hint, and I want you to look at it. Look at verse 11. Just look again at verse 11. I think this is a hint. What father among you, if his son asked for a fish, would instead of a fish give him a serpent? Uh, no father would do that, right? No, father, no loving father would do that. He said, uh, here's, here's the deal. Good fathers know what's best for their kids. Some of you dads in the room, all right? Let me talk to you dads in the room. Some of you dads in the room, some of you have probably had to say no to your kids. Would you agree with that? Because you know that what they're asking for is not good for them. Hands up if you're a dad that's had to say no because you knew that what they asked for was bad for them, right? Dad, can I play soccer on 820? Uh, no, that would be a, that'd be a bad idea. Dad, uh, can I have a, a, an iPhone 8 with unlimited data and I'm six years old? Uh, probably not. Probably not. Why? Because, because as a loving father, you see a bigger picture, right? You don't have their perspective. So as a loving father, you see a bigger picture, and you know what they need and what they don't need. So sometimes your response is going to be no to them. Sometimes your response is going to be not now, but later on. I've, and sometimes it's going to be, you know what, not this, because i got this whole, whole other thing that's going to be a lot better that you have no idea about. So as a loving father, the child has to trust that the father has their best interest in mind. Some of you may be asking God for something and you've been asking and you've been asking and you've not received an answer. It's not because God doesn't care. It's not because he's indifferent. It's not because he's ignoring you. It's because he loves you and he's a good father and he knows what you need and he knows when you need it. And if God is saying no, it's for your best interest. And if God is saying wait, then it's for his perfect timing. See, you don't doubt the goodness of God. You lean on the goodness of God. You don't doubt that God cares about you. You trust that God cares about you. And so you're going to keep praying until something happens. But you're going to know that God hears you and cares for you and is doing what's best for you. That's Jesus' secret to prayer. He said, you, you want to really know how to have powerful prayer life? Keep praying and keep praying. Don't quit. Don't get negative. Don't get discouraged. Just keep praying, keep praying. But all the while, trust that God is a good father that knows what you need. And sometimes he delays because he's got something better in mind for you. And then he wraps up with this one last thought that I just want to, I don't want to gloss over. I think it's really important. Look at verse 13. He said, how much more will the heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? There is a connection between relentless prayer and the moving of the Spirit of God. There's a connection. 
Jesus prayed 40 days in the wilderness, came out of that in the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus told the, the church, he said, after his ascension, he, he said, I want you to go to the upper room and I want you to pray and pray and pray. And, and the Spirit of God showed up in a powerful way that allowed them to preach the gospel to the nations. Later on, when they were persecuted, they prayed and they prayed and they prayed relentlessly, trusting their Heavenly Father to do what was best for them. And all of a sudden, the, the foundations were shaken by the power of God. Listen, there's a connection between relentless prayer that trusts fa the Father to do what is best and the moving of the power of God. And if you want to experience powerful prayer, powerful prayer that shakes the foundations and moves the hand of God, it starts with relentlessly praying and not quitting. Knowing your Father cares about you and trusting that the Spirit of God is going to move on your behalf. The Spirit of God moves as God's people pray. Have you ever sat back at that? You know, I don't know that we've ever seen anything just miraculously happen in our family. I don't know that we've ever seen God do something really awesome. I don't know that we've seen our group that we're involved in really God do miracles and God move in powerful ways. I don't know that in our church we've seen God do amazing things, but Maybe it's not because God doesn't want to. Maybe it's because God's waiting for his people to pray and not quit. Just think what God would do in your family, in your life, if you would pray like this.